Beatrice, why are you pretending I'm this guy's nephew? We need money. You're scamming him? I was thinking more like flat out stealing from him. What? No way. Why not? We already stole a horse. Hey, guys. No, we didn't. Fred's a talking horse. He can do whatever he wants. I want to steal. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And, uh, boy, we're really into the season, huh? We're not. We're on episode five. It feels like we're on episode 500. Which is weird. I remember being so into this season when it was coming out. Okay, but remember that when we were watching it, the way our schedules aligned, we could only meet every other week. So we were sitting down and mainlining two episodes at a time. Mm. And I think that made a difference. Also, weren't we watching season two or three at the time? Yeah, we were. We were watching season two simultaneously. For the podcast. Right. Which, I mean, season two is better. Well, we thought season two was going to be worse because we thought it was season the beginning of season three because we forgot when they started splitting up the seasons the way they do. Right. There's a lot I like in this episode. It just needs to be... 12 minutes shorter like we said earlier like a lot of the issues with these episodes are that they really need to end sooner than they do there there's a lot of wheel spinning here that just seems unnecessary well they do the lord of the ring move where there's like three different ending points but also i think they should have made the radical move at the start of the season to make the show half an hour instead of an hour these stories are no longer juicy enough to justify an hour's runtime. Mm. Or, you know, 43 minutes runtime. Yeah, uh, honestly, just axing 10 minutes from the show would make it so much stronger. Ooh, fan edit? Yeah, fan edit. Well, I mean, we should just do the massive fan edit that is putting the entire show in chronological order. What? Okay, I know people do that sometimes with fan edits, but that's... That's not the point. I have no pro. No, don't do that. But do just cut out all the dead weight. Speaking of, this is a Hopper-heavy episode. I know. It's like they remembered that he was a character or something. Oh, this is episode five of season six, Street Rats. And as much as I love Aladdin, I should like this episode more. But I do not. One of the things that really stood out for me in this episode is the strength of the actors carrying a script that is not entirely strong enough well i mean that's the theme of once upon a time right but this is i mean they've got really good actors here i i like i don't know what the guy who played aladdin has been in other than this but i'm i'm gonna look him up see what else he's done you know they should have done a once upon a time in agrabah spinoff instead of once upon a time in wonderland Mm. that could have been awesome also because Jafar was the bad guy in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. You know, they should call us in retroactively five years ago and fix this whole thing. And Alice's love interest was a genie. Oh, that's interesting. Speaking of genies, does Sidney Glass come back? I don't remember, and his absence is very noted in this episode. Yeah, Aladdin discovering that he's the savior uh, sort of takes the place of him finding the genie in the Disney Aladdin story. This is one of those episodes that's just a retelling of the Disney movie, except 
worse? Different. In a worse way. Different. All right, we should jump into it. So, as a reminder, Emma is having visions of her upcoming death, and for some reason she's decided to talk about these visions with Dr. Hopper. Eh. And the evil queen told Emma that she doesn't matter, and also that everything will fall apart without her, which are two diametrically opposing ideas, but okay. Also, the evil queen is working with Zelina now because sisters are doing it for themselves. Also, Jasmine is a teacher at the school. Yeah, she's pretending to be someone else for one episode, but she's actually Jasmine, and she's working with the ocular girl we saw at the beginning of the season. The Oracle? Yes, the Oracle. This episode opens with the camera craning in on a CGI city of Agrabah many years ago. They rendered that city, and they want you to see every inch of it. It's, you know, it's not bad if you... Don't mind that it's clearly CGI. It kind of reminded me of the really pretty 3D shots in Disenchantment, which I've been rewatching. Mm. Or, honestly, they're not exactly, but elements of the Speed Racer movie, where it it's very clearly CG and it's not supposed to not look like CG. Right, it's beautiful CG as opposed to uncanny CG. Because it's not really trying to be realistic. Right. In a market in Agrabah, Jafar is giving a speech about these three thieves that he's about to punish. And while he's giving this speech, Aladdin is busy being the worst pickpocket in the history of pickpockets. I don't know. I think he's tailoring his pickpocketing to the audience because he's being super obvious and yet no one's noticing. Oh, it's like in Gilmore Girls. Okay. In Gilmore Girls, Rory and Lorelai are the worst people ever because they go to public events and just talk in a normal tone of voice while people are trying to perform plays or have speech debates or do other things or show movies. So the only way for me to stay sane when I'm watching Gilmore Girls is to imagine that it's an alternate universe where for some reason no one can hear Lorelai and Rory except them. Oh, good. Although, is that just a thing with movies? Like, I don't want to be that guy that guy being um andy rooney but very very often when we go to the movies these days there are just people straight up having conversations during the whole movie i mean you are freaking a superhero for telling that girl to shut up during crazy rich asians she talked non-stop for the first 30 minutes of that movie i mean yeah, it's terrible. I don't know what to tell you. It's terrible. It wasn't even like a conversation, which would have also been bad. She was just monologuing to her friend during the movie. And, and she wasn't old. Yeah, she wasn't old. There were old people doing that during... Um, book club. There were Well, there were old women doing that during book club. And also, uh, I wouldn't sh- I'm not sure if you'd call them old, older. That Charlize Theron movie about motherhood. Heather and... Tully. Tully. Yeah. Yeah, during Tully... There were two middle-aged people sitting next to us talking through the whole movie. Did I miss something? Did this suddenly become acceptable? Okay, we're becoming those people now. We need to talk about Once Upon a Time before it's too late. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm, I'm channeling Andy Rooney here, but it's rude. So Jafar calls the dudes who stole stuff street rats and then makes them literal rats because clever? Sure, why not? He uh, he pulls a Mad-Eye Moody and turns them into vermin. 
and Aladdin and his conspicuous cleavage wander subtly off, whistling as they go. Yeah, he's wearing um he's wearing a shirt, unlike movie Aladdin, but that shirt is plunging. <laughs> Yes, it is a very open neckline. It's a very Jennifer Lopez at the Grammys look. Wow, that is, speaking of us being old, that is an old poll. Yes, yes it is. Aladdin ducks into a tent and is confronted by a woman in a really pretty kind of peacock motifed sari Mm. and headscarf and face cover who tells Aladdin that she needs his help, and he's not into it, so she takes off the scarf, and oh, it is Jasmine, Princess Jasmine. He super underreacts to this. He's like, oh, you're that princess lady. By the way, I'm just gonna stick this in here and return to it periodically. This is basically just Star Wars. They talk. You talked about how they're retelling the Aladdin story, but they are not. Aladdin is Han Solo here, 100%. She even calls him a scoundrel at one point. Well, he's like if Han Solo and uh, Luke were mooshed into one dude. Like in Spaceballs? Yes, like in Spaceballs. I wonder how that holds up. Actually, I think this is more what Star Wars would have been if there was no Luke, more than if Luke and Han were mooshed together. Well, he's got the whole savior thing that Luke has going on. You know, one dude, special powers, but there is another... It's true, he does. He also does the he's only in it for the money thing and then turns down the call to action and then has to come back, which, which to be fair, is just Joseph Campbell's hero story, so that's what's going on here. Anyway, Jasmine tells him that she needs his help because Jafar has become the advisor to her father, the Sultan, which was really weird because you don't, you don't yeah. need to specify who your father is. He's already acknowledged that he knows your Princess Jasmine. Yeah, it's, it sounds awkward. And I love this actress, and she is doing, she's doing her best with this role, but they are giving her some clunky dialogue, and unlike Lana Perea, she can't really dive into high camp to pull it off. Well, it's because they're giving her clunky expositionary dialogue, not high camp villain dialogue. Yeah, not being a villain is sort of a detriment here, because with the typical good actors we see giving bad lines in this show... They're usually villains. You're Lana Perea's, you're... Robert Carlyle's. Yeah. And that sort of gives this extra layer to work with. That's not really present when they have to play it straight, as it were. True, true. Also, the guy who's playing Aladdin... He's doing a really weird accent, isn't he? Well, the thing is, the actor who's playing Aladdin... At first I thought it was British because I'm an American... And Americans tend to default to hearing all accents as British. He's Australian. Oh, I thought he was American faking a British accent because he didn't know what accent to do. Yeah, but it's... I feel like he's trying to disguise a British accent in an English accent. Okay, I mean, all of it... It's it's a weird accent. It does not sound natural. I believe any of these things. Um, I mean... He's a good actor, but he is fighting that accent. Like, credit to him for still being charming and engaging while having a certain oddness to his speech. Yes. Okay, Karen David, let's let's see what her deal is. She's Canadian. So, she's Canadian and they have her doing the vaguely British voice she was doing during Gallivant. And he's Australian and they have him doing a vaguely British voice so that he'll match her 
Maybe. Although I feel like on this show, they just tell people to do whatever and people do whatever. He should have just been Australian. An Australian Aladdin. All right. I can dig it. If Wolverine can be Australian, why not Aladdin? So Canadian Jasmine tells Australian Aladdin that she needs him to help her defeat Jafar. And he's like, do you want me to steal bread? And she says, no, I have a different mission for you. And Aladdin is not having it. He is ready to bail. What I like about this scene is that it sort of addresses what will be their running plot through the rest of this episode. How Aladdin attacks problems, for example, hunger, and Jasmine is attempting to attack the root of problems, systematic oppression. Oh, interesting. I hadn't picked up on that, but you're right, that is what's happening. And all the way, spoiler alert, for the end of this episode to the end of this episode, where everyone else's goal is to figure out what to do about the fact that to be a savior means you must sacrifice your life, and Aladdin's answer is to make himself no longer be the savior. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm here for this now. So... Aladdin doesn't want to help Jasmine in what's obviously going to be a suicide mission, so he attempts to decline, and then she threatens to frame him for stealing one of the royal jewels. Yes. Uh, She tells him that she needs his help finding a weapon called the Diamond in the Rough, which will help her take out Jafar. He's like, yeah, hard no. Dude just turned other dudes into rats. Not messing with that. And she's like, oh, okay, what if I gave you this and he's like you can't bribe me she's like oh no i'm not bribing you i'm gonna get the guards to come here and cut your head off for stealing this for me i mean not cool right not cool not not a great note to begin a relationship on also a bird is watching them yes a bird that is not called iago on screen but is iago Mm. and we cut and we use the bird to transition to so i'm gonna say this a lovely time and we use the bird to transition to the modern day where... What the hell is Emma wearing? Oh my god, I thought so much about what Emma was wearing. She's got this like white ruffled shirt and this weird... Is it a lycra outer jacket? She is wearing a pleather suit coat. She's wearing a pleather suit coat. She is trying poorly to dress like Regina. I just... I don't get what the logic was behind this outfit. Okay, so she is no longer wearing her, like, bounty hunter outfits. In fact, last week we addressed the fact that even though she joked about her iconic red leather jacket, she hasn't worn it in weeks. And now she's wearing a leather coat, but it's a leather suit coat. And she's been wearing these white peasant blouses for the last few weeks, and now she's wearing this... Amish, button-up-to-the-neck, Angela Martin, white shirt. And I feel like this is about her trying to fit into a different mold and just failing spectacularly. She looks like Sandy from the beginning of Greece, trying to dress like Sandy from the end of Greece. Okay, that is a beautiful analogy and I love it. But I just really have to stick with she looks like Emma, if Emma was trying to dress like Regina. And you'll remember in an earlier episode, like seasons and seasons ago, we realized that Emma was literally wearing Regina's clothes because they are girlfriends. Hmm. But this isn't that. This is like, she doesn't quite know how to pull it off, but she's trying. And I think this is because Emma is trying to avoid her destiny. 
So she's not being herself. This is a possibly accidental running theme this season. We talked last week about how Snow is running from who she is every single episode because she doesn't realize that Snow White and Mary Margaret are the same person. So she's trying to reject Mary Margaret, and then she's trying to reject Snow White, and then she's trying to reject Mary Margaret again. And Emma is actively trying to reject being the savior, and she's trying to embrace this evil queen aesthetic that is not right for her. Okay, seriously, what are they doing back there? It's Saturday. They're doing yard work. We really can't be annoyed by that. Yes, we can. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, Emma in this hideous outfit is dragging Dr. Hopper through the woods to chase after this bird. And he's like, this is stupid. You should let me help you with therapy. And she's like, no. Emma says what we've been saying for the last two weeks, which is, This isn't dream interpretation. These are visions of the future. How she feels about her parents has nothing to do with her visions of the future. And now Emma, a couple of episodes, followed this red bird, Iago, and was led to the Oracle. So she figures that will happen again. And it does. But unfortunately, the Oracle is dead. The Oracle is sitting up dead. Yeah, she's doing the, the horror movie thing where she's sitting upright waiting for you, someone to touch her so that she can fall over and you can see how incredibly dead she is. Or, alternatively, uh, the kid from the Juniper Tree poem. You know the Juniper Tree? Uh, I guess it's not a poem, it's a story. Okay, so the Juniper Tree story is about, you know, there's a guy who has a son and a woman who has a daughter and they end up getting married and the woman hates the guy's son so she kills him, she cuts off his head, puts the head back on the body, she ties it with a ribbon, and she tells her daughter, go get your brother. So the girl goes, and the boy's not responding to her, so she shakes his shoulders and his head falls off. She assumes that she killed him. The stepmother says, don't worry she about it. She thinks she shook his head off? Yes. Okay. I actually think she, uh, I think she slaps him because he won't talk to her and his head flies off. Okay, well, you also shouldn't be able to slap a head off, but continue. It's a fairy tale. I got it. I got it. Also, you know, people weren't healthy back then. (laughs) So her mother chops up the boy, cooks him and feeds him to uh, his father to hide the evidence. Fairy tale. And the girl feels so bad about it, she ties up the boy's uh, bones and buries them underneath the juniper tree. Uh Uh-huh. And he's reborn as a bird. And he starts bringing the girl gifts. And the mom's like, well, where, where are you getting these gifts? And the girl's like, from the juniper tree. So the mother goes out to the juniper tree, and the bird drops a giant weight on her and kills her. Can't believe this hasn't been made into a Disney movie yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's a, a little no moral theater. <laughs> well, a lot, of, a lot of fairy tales are no moral theater. Well, I mean, no, that is, right? The moral is if you kill someone, karma will come and you will be killed. So that's a good moral. If you accident, if you think you murder someone, bury their bones, and a bird will bring will bring you gifts. Well, but she she was innocent. Yeah. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. So after Emma shakes the oracle and she falls down dead, she sees a woman running away in the distance, chases her down, and <gasps> it's Jasmine. Of course, we know it's Jasmine. Jasmine was meeting with the oracle at the end of the last episode. Yeah. Do we ever actually get clarification on who killed the Oracle in this episode? Because I kind of feel like we don't. We don't in this episode, but I feel like we find out later. So, the episode proper opens with Jasmine, who is going by Sheeran. For 
last episode and for about 10 seconds in this episode. She's in an interrogation room, and Snow's like, yeah, go talk to Sharon, if that is her real name. Excuse me, Mary Margaret, you're all going by pseudonyms, so slow your roll. Yeah, excuse me, Mary Margaret. Whatever. In the interrogation, Emma is all, we want to help you, and I know that you're innocent because you said you are, and I have a superpower where I can tell when people are lying. Hey, remember oh, that? Yeah, she, th- that's making a comeback. Wow, God. I mean, honestly, it was just so that we could get past the, Emma would obviously suspect Jasmine, and we wanted to get past that point. So. Dr. Hopper and Emma's superpower coming back. Man. Right? Like the greatest hits. <laughs> greatest hits? It's hits. Jasmine reveals that she is Jasmine, and Emma immediately knows who she is and says that she knows who she is because of the Disney movie. Jasmine reveals that she's looking for someone, and Emma's like, Aladdin? And Jasmine's like, how do you know that? And Emma just says, the movie, which Jasmine should have more questions for that. Okay, but here's the thing. Emma doesn't just say the movie. Emma says she saw the movie and says, it's a this world thing. So I think probably that most of the characters who have come over after the curse who don't have curse memories have learned and accepted that their whole lives are fictionalized here in this world and you know what this is this is galaxy quest from the thermian's point of view oh my god this whole part of once upon a time where we're not dealing with fairy tale characters with lost memories anymore where instead we're dealing with people who have grown up in our world yeah it's Galaxy Quest from the Thermian's point of view. Oh, so you're saying this isn't The Wedding Bride and Jasmine isn't Ted Mosby? No, that's that's not what's happening. Okay, so... Not... I, I, I do want to throw this out there in case anybody wants to add us about it on Twitter. That I went with Galaxy Quest because it's the best example of this story, but this is actually a story that pops up quite a bit. It's also the plot of Three Amigos and A Bug's Life and many others, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Galaxy Quest is such a good movie, but in good moral consciousness, I don't think I can support Tim Allen by watching or buying it in any way. I mean, it's so long ago. I just, I can't with him. He's so awful. No, I just mean the movie is so old. Do you really think like watching on Netflix still benefits his bottom line? I don't want to support him in any way. Do you mean we're not going to see Toy Story? I will see Toy Story with you because I love you, but I might buy the tickets for something else. Okay, well, that's not going to fly. All right, because our theater has assigned seating. Yeah. I just, I don't want to give him any money. No, no, that's fine that you don't want to give him money. I just didn't know if you had thought through. No, I have. I, we, we, we already talked about this. I said I wasn't going to see Toy Story 4 because of Tim Allen, and you're like, you have to see Toy Story 4. I forgot that we had that conversation, and I didn't think that you hadn't thought it through as in you didn't think through how hard it would be. I thought you hadn't thought it through as in you weren't thinking about the fact that he's a voice actor because it's easy to forget that when it's voice actors. Mm. Uh, Also because Buzz Lightyear is not an important character after the first movie. Yeah, they really should have just gotten rid of him. Mm. Should have bo-peeped his ass. He just, on a personal level, I dislike him on a personal level. He does seem like a raging, fiery dickhole. When are the people he put in jail for cocaine going to come out? Right? Okay, now that would be an amazing movie. Yeah, no, I'd watch the hell out of that movie. Even if it was a documentary and thus starred Tim Allen? <laughs> or, or perhaps especially? Especially if it was a documentary about Tim Allen getting his ass beat. Yeah. 
No, like, they bring him in and he thinks it's going to be a, like, forgiveness thing and they just beat the shit out of him. Oh my god, or they tell him that they're doing a revival of This Is Your Life? Because then it's like they're not even lying. They're like, let me know if you recognize these voices. I'm going to get you. (laughs) He sent so many people to jail to avoid a longer sentence. Okay, now, Tim Allen to the side. I am, like, totally digging on the idea right now of a Me Too remake of This Is Your Life, where you bring people in, and they think it's going to be, like, a celebrity thing, but instead they just you just bring in all of the people that they fucked over on their way up. Jeez. That would be pretty cool. I mean, you could only really do one season of it. Yes. Like, uh, Joe Millionaire. Which they actually did two seasons of. They did? How? The second season was Joe Millionaire Europe. Uh. Or uh, Who Wants to Marry Harry, which was... Okay, okay. I ha- I have so many feelings about that TV show, by the way. Okay. I- okay. I know you can't be like, oh, it's editing because you still said the thing and they put it on there. But they really did edit those girls to look foolish. Like, 90% of that show, 90% of the footage that they didn't show was those girls saying, okay, we all know this isn't Prince Harry, right? Right? Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> I was just watching this thing about this reality show, which I swear to God we are going to get back to the uh, plot eventually. But uh, it was this reality show where they were trying to do a caveman versus astronauts thing. So they split up. They took a group of people and they split them up and they gave they had the future people who lived in like a fancy house with fancy technology. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the cave people who had to live in a like cave. And the fancy people kept winning their challenges because they didn't have to live in a cave and they could get like a full night's sleep and they got to eat actual food okay the point of the caveman versus astronaut debate is that the caveman would be stronger because of a life lived in a cave it doesn't count if you're just sticking people in a cave yes yeah it wasn't particularly well thought out. There was this one guy who was ex-military, and he just won all of the challenges because they were all physical challenges. Oh my god. Okay. So, back to Once Upon a Time, like 5,000 years later. Yeah, they're interrogating Jasmine, and she tells them that she wants to find Aladdin, and that the reason she wants to find Aladdin is because Aladdin is the savior. Yeah, and Emma's really excited to hear that there's another person who is the savior. And is not dead. Right, because if Aladdin is not dead, then maybe she doesn't have to die? Okay. Dubious logic this season. Uh, It just means that someone drowned Aladdin and then brought him back with CPR, and you were called as the new savior. Exactly! Or I guess some... I I guess some... Killing Buffy again doesn't call a new slayer... Because the Slayer line moved on to Kendra and then on to Faith. Yeah, Faith isn't called until Kendra is killed. I was just trying to figure out if Aladdin would have been... Yeah, Aladdin would have been Buffy. and But Emma would have been uh, Faith, not Kendra. Well, why? Who's Kendra? Uh, are we assuming that Emma's the next savior after Aladdin? Yeah. Or I guess saviors are... I guess there doesn't need to be one savior in the world. or One I guess, savior in all the world? Yes. Or maybe it's just a different realm thing. Huh. Yeah, oh yeah, maybe there can be one savior per realm. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Honestly, it was irresponsible of Faith to allow herself to be thrown in jail when she had the ability to escape, knowing that there were going to be vampires trying to eat people. Yeah, but I mean, the average lifespan of a slayer is three years, and she way outdid that by going to jail. That is true. Actually, I have stuff to say about the slayer lifespan later in this episode, so we'll go back. We'll come back to this. So we cut from Emma finding out that, hey, maybe not all saviors die, to... Okay, wait, no, I'm sorry. One more thing about that. She's like, oh my god, a savior who didn't die. Maybe I don't have to die. And bad news for you, Emma? Everyone dies eventually. If you're going to classify successfully being a savior as never dying, then no. Hey, Emma is going to be around for the heat death of the universe. (laughs) All right. It is her goal. In Dr. Hopper's office... The evil queen has shown up to evil queen at him. Yes, she needs his help because she knows that Emma's been talking to him about her visions. And Dr. Hopper suddenly remembers, you know, you're not supposed to tell other people about your uh, other patients. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll tell Emma all about Grumpy's business, but... Well, and the evil queen reminds him that he used to tell her shit about Emma all the time back when she was, you know, still combined with Regina and running the town. Yeah. Also, he told other people about her therapy sessions while he was working with her. So, you know. God, he's the worst. He is the worst. So he's like, just kill me. I'm not going to give you anything. And she's like, no. Yeah. Instead, she's going to transform herself to look like him. And then she's just going to ask Emma herself. So deal with it. Yeah. Ugh, poor Regina. We go to commercial, and then we come back in the Wicked Witch's farmhouse, and she's putting little baby Robin down for a nap and sees Dr. Hopper tied up in her kitchen and is like, God damn it, I told my sister she could stay, and she's leaving her stuff all over the place. Okay, I legitimately love all of the Zelina evil queen interactions in this episode. Yeah, it is pretty great. I mean, we've been pretty hard on Zelina for being a whiny baby, But all of this stuff is gold. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna, like, pile on the being nice to Zelina right now and say she's wearing an amazing outfit. Oh, thank you for mentioning that because that is how she dresses when she's just hanging around the house with her baby. She is wearing a gorgeous jade, of course, skin-tight dress. And then over it, she has a modern-cut leather jacket that has been cut into a capelet. I love it. It's like a half jacket in the front and then it sort of goes down in the back. Well, the sleeves have been sliced open so that they form a cape over her shoulders instead of sleeves. I'm sure there's a name for that, but I don't know what it is, but I love it. And she's got like this kind of gold belt thing. The whole outfit is amazing. And don't forget, she's wearing elbow length leather gloves as well. Well, For hanging around her house, taking care of her baby. God, I love her. Dr. Hopper immediately tries to head shrink his way out of the situation. And she's like, you know, you're not like a good therapist, right? Yeah, she just puts his gag back in. She's like, no, no, we're not going to be doing this right now. You should let me go because you have mommy issues. And she's like, really? We cut away from that to Regina as Dr. Hopper leaving Dr. Hopper's office and finding Emma packing up the bug to take off. So, the Evil Queen is not being subtle, but Emma does not like paying attention to Dr. Hopper, so she's not really picking up on the fact that 
he's all, hey, tell me about those visions you were having. I forgot what they were about. If only Emma had some sort of superpower that let her know when people were lying. I know we make this joke all the time, but it's the show's fault for doing this. Hmm. So Emma does in a roundabout way. She's like, I'm looking for Aladdin. Also, maybe if Aladdin's alive, it doesn't mean all saviors die. Like in my vision, bye, Dr. Hopper. Which, okay. Yep. Back in the flashback, Jasmine and Aladdin are walking through the desert looking for the... Looking for the Cave of Wonders, which, of course, houses the diamond in the rough. Or so, Jasmine says. This desert looks an awful lot like that desert Merlin was wandering through. Yeah, it sure does. Also, Aladdin has some weird cleavage continuity in this uh, one bit. I wasn't really paying attention to his cleavage, but now now I'm going to start looking at it. Are you telling me that his shirt is changing how deep its V is? Yes. Huh, interesting. But... I really like Jasmine's outfit. It it is what she was wearing at the bazaar. Yeah, it's it's peacock themed. It's it's teal and it has um it has like peacock flourishes on it. I love it. It looks really good. So Aladdin and Jasmine have a very interesting discussion about the nature of activism. Yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting and really relevant because Jasmine is basically really worried about what Jafar is doing to the people of Agrabah. And Aladdin points out the people of Agrabah were suffering under her father's rule and she didn't care then. Basically, he's criticizing her for being one of those people marching in a protest with a sign that says, if it wasn't for you, we'd be at brunch right now. And she answers correctly, okay, that might be true, but I'm here now. I'm I'm ready to actually put in the hard work right now. And you're not. You're giving up. Yeah. Which I feel like is sort of, I know I'm not as involved in activism as I should be, but it feels like the sort of discussion that should probably go on more in activist circles. It goes on a lot in activist circles. Yeah. Where he's calling her out for being a Joni come lately. And only... Uh, only getting involved because it's starting affecting her personally and she's like it doesn't matter how i'm getting involved the important thing is that i'm involved now yeah well i mean it's it's a it's an ongoing discourse right now about the difference between liberals and the left Mm -hmm. so and but she rightly calls out that he's not actually doing anything he can lecture her about being a elitist liberal all he wants the fact of the matter is he's not putting on a black mask and going down to and going down to protest he's not doing anything yes so uh they reach sort of a good point where she's like look i want to make stuff better i'm aware i should have been more aware of this before i wasn't but i'm trying to make things good now and he's like okay well You've convinced me that I need to start getting more involved in things, so. And then they come to the Cave of Wonders. Well, there, there's a really good bit where uh, he's eating an apple, and, he, and then he uh, he pulls out another apple and gives it to her, and he does the same rolling thing he did with the apples in the movies. He does. I'm actually glad you brought up the apple, because I was going to skip right over it. I know I've mentioned on this show before how it's impossible to eat an apple without looking like an asshole, which, of course, he does. Also, he tells her that he's not selfish, because... He stole an apple, but he also stole one for her. And I'm like, 
I don't know, Aladdin. Why don't you go to that fruit vendor who's just trying to make ends meet and ask him if he thinks you're selfish for stealing an apple for the princess. Uh, but the difference is he's not here right now. Fair enough. So they're trying to figure out how to get the they're trying to get they're trying to figure out how to get the door to the Cave of Wonders open. And Aladdin says, let's take a page from one of your stories, because we have previously established that Jasmine, like Belle, is a reader. And he says, you know, let's do it like Alibaba, and says, open sesame. Okay. Okay. So that means that in this universe, Alibaba is a story. It is a story that comes from A Thousand and One Arabian Nights. The same place where the Aladdin story comes from. Maybe it's just history in this uh, universe. It could be. And you know what? I am going to kind of let it go. Specifically because the Disney Aladdin movie already did this. But worse. But worse. Because the Disney movie has the genie sing, Alibaba had them 40 thieves, and Sherazad had a thousand tales. One of which being Aladdin. One of which was Aladdin. Like, if you're going to talk about Scheherazade to Aladdin, it just raises a lot of questions. Clearly the Disney movie didn't care that much. Okay, do you, do you want to hear something terrible? Please. There is a movie. It's not done by Good Times, but it's done by one of those Good Times-esque, uh, you know, one of those Good Times-esque animation companies that just cranks out cheap rip-offs of Disney movies. Right, the studios that exist to confuse grandmothers who are buying gifts for their grandchildren. Yes. Yes. I, I, I just, I can't believe there's enough of a market for those to be. Well, I mean, they look like they cost like $2 to make. Mm. So you fool one person, you've already made a profit. So, there is one of them. Okay. Called Aladdin and the Adventure of All Time. Wait. Is Aladdin a time traveler in that one? Please, God, tell me he is. Yes, he is. <gasps> okay, go on. And he is voiced by the same guy who does the Disney voice of Aladdin. And it's also a ripoff of Page Master. The reason I brought it up is because, do you know who the villain is in that movie? No. What, Shahrazad? It is Shahrazad. Wait, is it like Stranger Than Fiction? Where he's being written and he has to, like, confront the writer because she's going to write him dying? Uh, no. Oh. Because that would be cool. No, the reason that she, uh, the reason she wrote the story ending the way it did is so that no time travelers would come and stop her. Because they would think that the story had a happy ending. Okay, this movie that you're describing sounds amazing. It's, 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 it's so bad. Okay, well... I heard about it through a bad movie podcast. I'm afraid that you should not have brought that up because now that's what we're watching tonight. Okay. By the way, uh, Open Sesame, that doesn't work. That doesn't open the doors to the Cave of Wonders. But you know what does work? What does work? Giving up. That's weird, right? Yeah, because Aladdin says Open Sesame and then he immediately gives up. He gives it no time to work. And then the doors open, which is a thing in Once Upon a Time. People assuming things didn't work if they don't work instantly after trying them. Although I don't think it worked because you said open sesame. I think it just worked because he is who he is and it opened for him. You know, like a thumbprint lock. Mm. So we're on a roll here because Emma's using her superpower. And back in the main timeline, 
They tried finding Aladdin using a locator spell. They did. Emma comes back to the loft where the rest of the Charmings are waiting, and they tell her that they could not use a locator spell because Aladdin is such a thief that none of his things actually belonged to him. That raises a really good question about ownership. At what point after stealing an object does it become yours? Well, remember there was that remember we had an issue with this before where Rumpel gave Belle a present. She rejected it and then he was able to use it to find her. That shouldn't have worked either. Yeah. It's almost like this show is written by people who aren't obsessively following their own continuity. Well, I mean, these do raise interesting ownership questions. You could probably write a paper on it. The nature of ownership in Once Upon a Time. In this essay, I will. I would love to read academic studies from universes where magic was a real thing. You know, there's a bunch of academic essays written about Whedonverse shows. I bet there are some written about Once Upon a Time Mm. that have been collected that I could probably locate, like, maybe as soon as we're done recording. All right. So... So, so Dr. Hopper shows up, he has been following Emma, and he lets, of course it's not Dr. Hopper, it's Evil Queen. The Evil Queen is Dr. Hopper, tells everyone that Emma has a secret and she needs to tell them all right now. And Emma is like, what the fuck? And Killian's like, wait, let's hear him out. I definitely want this guy who just showed up and is harassing my girlfriend to keep going. Fuck Killian. Yeah, Killian's really awful here. And Emma's like, well, I guess it doesn't matter now that we found out that Aladdin's still alive, which you don't know he's alive. You know Jasmine's looking for him. The Oracle told Jasmine that he was alive, so they're going to take that as truth. Yeah, well, are we going to believe her? She's dead. That doesn't hurt. Okay. If she's so smart, how come she's dead? So Emma does tell everyone that it turns out saviors all die. And... Okay. Everyone dies. Right? Hey, I've died twice. Exactly. Anyway, during the commercial break, Emma tells them about her vision. And Regina might not be evil anymore, but she is still Regina. She's like, wait, how come I'm not in your vision? Yeah, seriously. Do you not know I'm the best character in the show? She is. She wants to know if she's not in the vision because she's already dead or... Perhaps she's the person who's killing Emma, and everyone gets very uncomfortable about that assumption, because they were all making it. Yeah, Emma repeats the thing she told Dr. Hopper earlier, where she's like, you shouldn't be offended by this. It's a vision. It's not a dream. It's not a, I don't have any subconscious thing against you. You just didn't happen to be in my line of sight in this vision. Right? Regina kind of, she doesn't storm out so much as she lightly showers out that she leaves and we cut back to jasmine and aladdin in the cave and jesus christ aladdin's cleavage is distracting yeah he's got a lot of it he really does they find a sword balanced on a fulcrum with a stone counterbalancing the hilt and the stone of course is assumed to be the diamond in the rough and Aladdin takes a break from Han Soloing to Indiana Jones, that stone, off of the sword. Using a golden monkey, which is cute. Yes. It's very cute. Are you familiar with the uh, Aladdin musical? I am aware that it exists, but I don't, but I know nothing about it. One of the things I really like about the Aladdin musical is that they replace Abu with 
just three childhood friends of Aladdin's. Oh, that's good. And they serve as sort of the... Greek chorus. As it were. The Australian-Arabian Greek chorus. (laughs) All right, then. Um, Like Indiana Jones, by the way, once Aladdin gets that stone... There's a moment where you're like, yes, I was successful, but then the stone disintegrates and the entire cave starts to collapse around him. That's something nobody thinks about with Indiana Jones. Like, it seems like such a clever moment, but in actuality, it didn't work. He could have kept that bag of sand for himself. I'm just saying he didn't need to spend so much time on that. He could have just grabbed and ran because that's what he ended up having to do anyway. I forget where it was where they did an Indiana Jones riff, but all the traps were broken because it had been thousands of years. I don't- that's hilarious. Anyway, the cave's collapsing. A pillar is about to hit Aladdin and Jasmine when Aladdin uses the light magic burst level one savior power. Yeah, he saves them, and then Jasmine reveals that she basically knew that the Cave of Wonders was going to try to kill them, and that there is no treasure here that she was trying to retrieve. She was just trying to wake up Aladdin's powers. Okay, so- Jasmine is Jafar in this scenario. Yes, Jasmine is Jafar. She tells Aladdin, you're the diamond in the rough. And Aladdin is both Aladdin and the genie. Yeah, because he grants his own wishes with his savior powers. So, back in the present, Henry is trying to cheer up uh, Jasmine. With video games. With video games, because he's a good kid. It's so cute. I was listening to earlier episodes of our podcast and we're so awful to Henry. Oh, whatever. He's fine now. So he's trying to talk her through it. And uh, he's like, I I know how it is. You know, my mom's the savior. Yeah, they both have a person close to them who's going to die from a terminal case of saviorness. Yeah. And Jasmine admits that part part of what's bringing her down is that Aladdin wouldn't have discovered that he was the savior and therefore wouldn't have become the savior she put him on the path to being the savior and of course this gives henry a very concerned look because he realizes oops my mom wouldn't be super doomed if i hadn't put her on the path to becoming the savior although to be fair to henry it's not like her life was so great before she got on the path to being the savior yeah she was having a lonely birthday candle alone she's gonna eat that candle it's true she was. Remember when she was wishing on the star candle? Oh my god, this show. So Mary Margaret's pulled Emma aside. She's like, so, what the fuck? Why didn't you talk to me about this? You know I'm the center of the universe. My daughter is about to die. Me! Uh, so Emma says, I didn't want to tell Hook because I'm worried about blah blah blah, our relationship, blah blah blah. And Mary Margaret says, in this family, we don't keep secrets, which is such a huge lie. Right? I'm surprised her pants don't burst into flames the minute she says it. Oh. So David comes into the room and he's like, hey, that was Leroy. And he said that Dr. Hopper wasn't there for his therapy session. I'm really glad that they established last week that Grumpy gets therapy from Dr. Hopper. Yeah. And Emma's like, crap, that was the evil queen. It wasn't Dr. Hopper the ball she is about that mm. back in Zelina's farmhouse and how weird is it that I'm excited to be going back to scenes on Zelina's farmhouse I know right Dr. Hopper is taking care of Robin yes she has forced Dr. Hopper to care for the baby while she sits and drinks a cup of tea a plus parenting 
So the evil queen bamps into the room, and Selena's like, ah, you're back. I see you. Are, are you going to deal with this? And the evil queen is like, well, it was a test. I just needed to see that you wouldn't turn him over to the good guys. It wasn't a test. The evil queen is just covering for the fact that she was being rude and thoughtless, but that's okay. And she's like, you know what would be fun? Let's have a spa day. And Zelina's like, I have a baby. And she's like, and I have a hostage. Two problems solving each other. Yeah, they decide to leave and make Dr. Hopper stay and take care of the baby. The evil queen says, now remember, if anything happens to the baby, we'll kill you. I mean... Given that he is a good guy, I'm pretty sure that he would already try to make sure the baby doesn't die. Yes, they also do put one of those protection spells around the house that Rumple put around the ship last episode. So that he cannot leave. Yeah. Okay, this is one of my favorite very low-key jokes that the show ever does. The Three Bears Day Spa that they go to? The Three Bears Day Spa, where... Regina and Selena are getting mani-pedis from a blonde girl and three hairy dudes in flannel shirts. Yes. By the way, this blonde girl is credited as Goldilocks in the in the end credits, despite the fact that you can't even see her face. They still credited her. One of the things I like about this is that Sneezy is also at this spa. I didn't even notice that. That's amazing. I was too busy paying attention to the dynasty-style robes and and hair towels that they are wearing. Oh yeah, this is very old Hollywood. This whole sequence is just amazing and completely unnecessary, too. It does nothing to further the plot. All they do is talk about Rumple's new haircut and whether or not either of them has fucked him. Is Sneezy being here their LeFou is gay, Beauty and the Beast 2017 moment? I hope not. Men, you're allowed to pamper yourselves without it questioning your sexuality. Mm. God, I just, I love this scene so much. So they, yes. After they discuss whether or not they've had sex with the same man, they have not, Mm. they talk about Robin and how really Regina's mistake with Henry was not raising him to be evil. So if Zelina just raises Robin to be evil, she'll be accepting of how evil Zelina is, and they can go on amazing evil mother-daughter adventures together. Whatever happened to Lily and Maleficent? Seriously. This is this is a weirdly good point, because Zelina is talking about how the only reason she's trying to be good is for her daughter, and the evil queen is like, just raise your kid to be evil. Let me explain to you something about nurture versus nature. Just nurture her. Nurture the evil inside her. She's a baby, so she's already full of evil. I mean, evil is just a natural uh, extension of selfishness, and babies are pretty selfish. Oh, yeah, people are born evil and have to be taught to be good. Mm -hmm. I genuinely believe that. Yeah. So, Emma finds Regina in her vault where she's mixing up a different kind of locator spell. Because it turns out she wasn't just storming off, she was actually going to, she was actually going to, you know do something well i mean she was storming off because her feelings were hurt but she's funneling that hurt into being productive it's a potion that links like magic together so once so once emma drinks it she will be able to locate aladdin because their magic will be drawn to each other it's not called out and i'm not sure if they were just trying to be subtle here or they genuinely forgot but they actually did use this spell to find the snow queen back during the frozen season that's correct they did and i think they just forgot yeah 
but they were like hey elsa and the snow queen both use ice magic so we can use elsa's magic to track the snow queen and they're doing the same thing with see that seemed iffy to us then because ice magic seems kind of broad whereas i feel like with savior magic okay i'm I'm by that savior magic is sufficiently narrow well they were the only two people in town who did like ice magic i guess okay i guess that makes sense we never really see regina doing anything ice-based do we nope she is fire type you think ice is just like a specialty thing because i feel like we see most people defaulting to fire um i think it's like D D where you can do where you can do ice or fire but people tend to stick to one or the other mm. aladdin and jasmine are sort of talking out his new role as the savior back in the flashback he's super pissed that jasmine just decided to put him on the path to being the savior without telling him about it or asking his permission or any of that stuff you know jasmine in this episode is kind of terrible to aladdin she only gets him to come along by threatening him with with death by the apparatus of the state and then she tricks him into being forced to become the savior well she is treating him like what she said diamond in the rough was she's treating him like a weapon yeah and then but yes which is bad enough but then she tries to justify her behavior by telling aladdin that she's just doing this because she believes in him she believes in his magic but not in his ability to have agency over his life she gives him the scarab she was going to frame him with earlier and she tells him that uh, it was a gift from the people to her family uh as you know well as a gift for saving them from the darkness and that she wants to help save people from the darkness again Yeah, so now she's gifting it to Aladdin, which, if I was Aladdin, I'd be like, this feels like yet another trap. It's not, but I would definitely feel like it was if I was Aladdin. Yeah, Jasmine's kind of riding the Dumbledore train. Yeah, I think she's actually being even worse than Dumbledore. So she leaves him alone to think over this whole savior thing, and Jafar bamps in. Yep. Here, Jafar is kind of being the genie. Because Jafar is tempting him with using his power to better his own life instead of being the savior. He even tells him that he could take all of this wealth and become a prince. Yeah. He shoves his bird, presumably Iago, into Aladdin's face, and Aladdin suddenly sees the opening of Buffy. It does look like the opening credits of Buffy. It's just like a bunch of flashing lights and skeletons and, like, tombs. Yes, although presumably from Aladdin's point of view, it makes more sense, and he realizes that what he's seeing is his death. Because, because as uh, Jafar says, the destiny of all saviors is death, which is true of literally everyone. I know, right? Anyway, he gives Aladdin some scissors, which I think are an amazing prop. They're a really good prop. I don't love that they're specifically the scissors belonging to the greek fates well i mean if they were how come anyone is dying a that and b i don't know you're caught in this weird area where you don't want to go cultural appropriation-y but it also feels weird that i don't know it doesn't feel like there's particularly a good way to do this because it feels weird to have a specifically greek artifact be the focal point of a story that takes place and granted a fictional middle eastern country but okay so i don't have an issue with that because 
the whole concept of Once Upon a Time is fairy tale mashup. Mm. And if you're going to say that these stories are somehow... And if you're going to say that these storytellers shouldn't be mashed up, I, then the only answer is to exclude them. Well, and that doesn't feel right either. Well, there is also... This is slightly different, but... The Greek is sort of the go-to thing for this sort of... You know, if you need an object, if you need a place or a god or whatever you go greek i mean there is a kind of like over reliance on greek mythology yeah there is definitely an over attraction to greek mythology as well but yeah okay i've you know i was gonna i was arguing with you but i've talked myself around to i would have liked it more if seasons of once upon a time that were dealing with aladdin had had brought in Indian and Persian fairy tales and folk and folk stories and mashed those together instead of just the Greek and European fairy tales that we're usually exposed to. Yeah, it would have been nice. And also if Aladdin had been a whole season and if that's how they had addressed it. And then also a whole season of Mulan that brings in uh, Chinese folk legends. Yeah, it sort of feels like these characters are just being B-plotted. Like, Aladdin should be I the focal... I wonder why. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, they did that to Merida, too. Okay, okay. Also the Little Mermaid. <laughs> really? Yeah, I guess... I was gonna say the modern Disney stories really did get short shrift, but not Frozen. Oh, no, not Frozen. Frozen got its own damn season. Although, that is kind of a weird thing, right? We're talking about this... We're talking about Aladdin as though it's uh, a Persian story, a Persian folktale, which of course it is, but let's address that that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a Disney movie. Mm. Like, Once Upon a Time is not mashing together A Thousand and One Arabian Nights. It's mashing together Aladdin. Robin Williams' star vehicle, Aladdin. Aladdin starring DJ's boyfriend from Full House. Yup. So, Jafar gives him the scissors of fate and tells him... Now that we've addressed the uncomfortable cultural stuff with the scissors, I do want to say I love that prop. It's an amazing prop. It is a great prop. He tells him he can use these to to cut not his life, but his fate, to sever himself from the destiny of the savior and create a new destiny where he could be, you know, rich and not about to die. I mean, it doesn't sound like the worst thing. So, Jasmine, meanwhile, is back at the palace and is trying to convince her father, the sultan, to stop listening to Jafar since he's clearly evil. Okay, the thing is, she's trying to talk him out of being brainwashed because she knows he's brainwashed. Hey, David did it. David talked someone out of transforming into a werewolf on the full moon. So, Jasmine, so Jafar comes in, he's like, you know you can't talk someone out of being brainwashed, right? And she's like, shut up. And he just kind of throws her across the room mystically. Now, Jasmine has changed her outfit, and she's wearing the Disney Princess Jasmine outfit, which I like because this scene is the one that is most closely taken from the Disney movie, and they put her in the Disney Princess outfit for it. Mm. I do like how both of them, I mean, 
he had his statement and she didn't really have a good response so she basically did the shut up ugly approach to comebacks and then he did the natural escalation of the shut up ugly approach to comebacks which is just throwing her against a wall yeah no one's trying to be clever here she does tell him that the savior's coming and he tells her that he already took care of the savior by convincing him to go look for treasure instead and then he puts Jasmine into the hourglass from the movie, mm. but not into the red outfit that she's wearing when she's in the hourglass in the movie. Mm. So Aladdin flies in on a magic carpet, which they they grant us the very small mercy of having this effect be done in the dark and not really focused on. They haven't really even addressed where that carpet came from either. So he's like, suck on this, Jafar. I've realized that I can do whatever the fuck I want because I've got magical goddamn powers. And Jasmine's just kind of like, I, I'm dying. There's there's sand filling up my lungs right now. But Aladdin got the hang of the savior powers much faster than Emma did. He just walks in and is like, boom, shattered the hourglass. Boom, Jafar is neutralized. Boom, the sultan is unbrainwashed. Yeah, he's really, really good at magic right off the bat. And this, by the way, is the scene in star wars a new hope where han shows up at the last minute at the fight to save the day Mm. jasmine's like oh i thought you abandoned us and he's like nope and jasmine and aladdin almost kiss and then jasmine's dad is like uh 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 also he's like hey i'm not brainwashed anymore which i will demonstrate by not knowing why i was playing with toys a minute ago so aladdin and jasmine are just going to be friends now Yes, but she does give him the scarab for real. Yeah. She's like, thank you for saving my kingdom. And he's like, I didn't really save your kingdom. I stopped one dude. Like, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done here. Well, we were talking about activism, right? Yeah. They act like, okay, everything is better now that Jafar is gone, but systemic inequalities still exist. Anyway, in the present, Emma is trying to track Aladdin, and she... She's, what clearly, whatever the potion does to show her where Aladdin is, it's super uncomfortable because she just has pain painted across her face this whole scene. She's using that uh, superpower the Slayers had in that one episode where they got period cramps around vampires. It's really what it looks like. But she leads them to a crypt and everyone's like, oh shoot, Aladdin is super dead. This does not bone well. Actually, it bones very well. Because they find a skeleton that has the... Scarab? Hero beetle. Yes, the scarab. And Jasmine's like, oh, oh. It's super convenient that they gave him a significant piece of jewelry that would not decay when they found the bones. It reminds me of the end of 30 Rock where Pete was talking about his Pete necklace and how he loved it so much. And if there was ever a car accident and all you could recover was the necklace, you should just assume he was dead. Uh, I thought you meant in the end of uh, 30 Rock when Liz walks into the writer's room and there's all just skeletons wearing the writer's clothes. That was funny too. That's it, Liz. You didn't save the show and now we're all dead. Thought we were going to do the cowboy dream. (laughs) Jasmine is super sad that her never quite boyfriend slash savior of Agrabah is dead. Yeah, it's a pretty big bummer. And Henry's like, oh, this means that you're probably going to die, Mom. Yeah, Emma's not super psyched either because... Yeah, as you say, Emma's gonna die too now. As you say, like literally everyone else. 
So Emma's like, I kind of need to be alone for a second, and Hook kind of leaves, but then he turns around and gives her a dramatic long glare before actually leaving. He's clearly upset about being asked to give her some space, which does not bode well. Like, don't do that. You two don't have a great relationship. They don't. But Emma does sit alone in the crypt, reliving her visions over and over and over again. And, uh... So, to be fair to Hook, that's probably not healthy. Mm, that is probably not healthy. But, to be fair to Henry, Henry realizes that. He shows up and he's like, hey, look, this is kind of my fault. Like, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be the savior. You'd just be some lady in Boston beating up dudes for money. See, that seems like a really, that seems like a real reach to me. I mean, Emma could just as easily say, if it wasn't for her, Henry wouldn't have been born to be there to make her go off and be the savior. So... That built the house where Jack lives. Exactly. I think Henry's beating himself over... I think Henry's being a little too hard on himself. But Emma's like, no. Like, kid, look, I have family. I have goddamn magic powers. I've had sex with a dude who's basically immortal a couple of times. That's fun. Wait, which one? Actually, she... I've had sex with a dude who's... I've had sex with several dudes who are hundreds of years old, but not in, like... A gross way and a hot way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. In a presumably Edward Cullen way. That's gross. But yeah, I get you. Yeah. You know, that's a thing, right? The hot immortal dude. It's definitely a thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole foundation of Tuck Everlasting, right? They do not have sex in Tuck Everlasting because they are children, but yes. Yes. Yeah. Not in the movie, they weren't. Yeah. And that stars your, uh, what's her face? Rory Gilmore. Yes. Boy, she did not make the leap to movies. No. But it's okay, because she's married to... Connor <laughs> Angel. Yeah. Okay, so she's married to Connor. Mm-hmm. Vincent Carthizer, who also plays Pete Campbell on Mad Men. Whose wife is Trudy, who's played by Allison Brie, who is it? You know, I was gonna try to like connect all this together. It's... Did you not have an endpoint there? Did you figure you'd well, find the like, endpoint? I was like, I was like, who's Allison Brie? Who's actually married to Dave Franco? Who fake dated Joe in Scrubs? Who is uh? Jane and Happy Endings. Who is Jane and Happy Endings, where she's married to um, Damon Wayans Jr., who is also a new girl. With, you know what I got? I'm out of it. Uh, see, I thought you were going to say, whose sister was Jack Bauer's daughter from 24. Oh, I didn't know that part. Who, and Jack Bauer was played by Kiefer Sutherland, whose dad is Donald Sutherland, who played Merrick and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's good. That's, yeah. That's good. We got all the way back around to Buffy. See? Give us any point and eventually we can take it back to Buffy. It's an accurate statement. So anyway, Emma comforts Henry about how her life is actually super awesome and like she's just going to take her lumps as they come and they'll deal with this. They always deal with this. She's just going to enjoy her life, which is pretty great, which it wouldn't be if she wasn't the savior. So, you know, things balance out. Yeah. Then they hear somebody in the crypt with them, and Emma jumps up to attack, but she's all shaky from her visions, and out of the shadows steps Aladdin. 
Yeah, he's like, yeah, being the savior kind of sucks, right? Which brings us to a new segment that we are not going to do at the end of the episode, but instead when it comes up, which is where this show should have ended instead. This would have been the point to end the episode. This is the logical end point for this episode, and yet there are still somehow nine minutes left. We go back to the flashback where I guess everyone in Agrabah is happy now. Well, uh, Jasmine is debriefing Aladdin, but not in a fun way. (laughs) Dirty. Mm. So she's like, so do you want like money or what's up? What what do you want for, you know, a reward for saving the kingdom? And he's like, I didn't really save the kingdom. I stopped one dude. There's still a lot of saving that needs to go on. Also, he didn't kill him. He just stopped him. So he's going to track down Jafar right now and save the kingdom by killing Jafar. Wait, why didn't they just throw him in prison? He didn't have it. Like Aladdin broke his power source and then he was just standing there. Did they just let him leave? I think so. I'm really not clear. But Jasmine's like, hey, look, like, I know you've got a lot of savioring to do, and I've got a lot of actually running the kingdom to do, but, like, drop by sometime. Come on. Yes, he says he could show her the world. Uh, Because he's trying to get her to go with him to hunt Jafar, and she's like, I can't. You. They lean in for a kiss, and then she realizes that she cannot. Yeah, she... Because what he said was right. The kingdom's been in pain for a really long time. There are a lot of inequalities that need addressing. And seeing as she's actually in a position of power, she's the person who can, you know, address the root causes of all of these issues. Well, it's what you were saying before. He wants to go off and be a hero with a sword, and she's going to stay behind and be a hero with, like, structural changes and... Things that will make swords unnecessary, in theory. Yes. But seriously, drop by my house anytime you're in town, dude. Is that you saying that? No, that was Jasmine saying that. Okay. He's okay. He's not the cutest Aladdin. Who do you think's the cutest Aladdin? Broadway Aladdin? Yes, Broadway Aladdin's the cutest Aladdin. He's pretty hot. He's okay. I mean, I'm... I think the scale. I think the scale you have to look at is in any given adaptation. Would you rather be with Aladdin or Jafar? And in this one, I am Jafar, not by a lot, not by as much as the new adaptation that's coming up, but mm. enough. Speaking of Jafar, Aladdin, when he walks away from Jasmine, feels somebody bamf something into his shoulder bag, and it is the scissors of fate. They've been bamfed there by Jafar, along with a note that says, "For a rainy day." Or the coming storm. Dang. Okay. That's Aladdin. Well, maybe they should have had him take his shirt off. Instead of just the deep V of cleavage. (laughs) So, Aladdin tells... So, back in the present, Aladdin tells Emma that he used the shears of fate on himself, Agrabah fell, he ran off to the enchanted forest, and he got swept up in all of the various curses yeah so he's basically been here the whole time just nobody knew he's just been hanging out in the snow queen's ice cream shop also you say eventually it sounds to me like he used them almost instantly like he gave up immediately both him and jasmine have not aged at all so apparently agrabah fell very quickly yeah i think you're right like he would have had to immediately use the shears and then agrabah immediately just Yes, that is what happened. Although, they make it sound like there were years in between Agrabah falling. and 
because eh. Jasmine mentions that they never managed to make it work because they were always busy later. Yeah. Alen gives the shears to Emma and is like, here, this fixes your problem. Just stop being the savior. And they do talk about it here. Emma tells him that, you know, Jasmine's looking for him and she thought they were romantically linked. And he's like, there was never time. Duty always got in the way. And Henry's like, you're both like still young and hot. You could just go make out with her right now. And Ellen's like, oh, you're right. I totally can. I have to point out that Jared Gilmore, the look on his face when Aladdin gives Emma the shears, he's doing a lot of acting with his face there. He is not pleased with this turn of events. Mm. Jared Gilmore's got a lot of range now yeah yeah he does you wouldn't think growing up on once upon a time would give you that much acting range and yet here we are yeah in the park jasmine is sitting on a bench being sad with the scarab well this is the dead loved one bench emma took henry to after neil died oh you're right it is but unlike unlike then aladdin shows up and is like hey guess what i'm not dead let's go bone yeah, like, we almost kissed two times this episode. You know, like, the rule of threes, right? Come on, let's make out. Come on. Come on. Let's make out. Come on. Well done. But they don't actually kiss again. He leans in like they're gonna kiss, and she's like, Agrabah's in danger! You need to come back with me and save it! And he's like, Oh! oh. So, the evil queen and Zelina come back from the spa day, and Dr. Hopper's like, where were you? I was so worried. And the Evil Queen's like, I was reintroducing Zelina to the classics. And he's like, oh, so you're you're going to torture me. You're going to kill me. And Zelina's like, oh, my God. Giant effing baby. No, I'm not going to torture or kill you. I'm going to turn you into a cricket. <laughs> Bamf. Yep. And she turns him into a cricket mobile for uh, her daughter. I, okay, she doesn't turn him into an inanimate object. She turns him into a cricket and locks him in a cage that she hangs above her daughter's crib. This kind of reminds me of that time Pinocchio tied up Jiminy Cricket and put him in a cuckoo clock. People are always messing with Jiminy Cricket. Poor Jiminy Cricket. Eh, he's Dr. Hopper. Who cares? Back at the Charming's loft, Emma is telling everyone about the shares because she doesn't want to keep secrets anymore. And, not to bring this back to Buffy, mm-hmm. but she talks about how... She realizes that maybe she can survive even as the savior because she has family, because she has a group, which we know is how Buffy survived so long. Because unlike other Slayers, she wasn't isolated. She had the Scoobies. And that's what Emma means, but she also says, I remembered who my family is, which to me just means I remembered I'm a Charming so I don't actually have to make any sacrifices. Yeah, being a Charming means there are no consequences to your actions. So she apologizes to Killian for not telling him that she was going to die. Yeah, he is, he's like giving her a scowl too. He's acting like she cheated on him when she didn't tell him immediately that she had a vision of her own death. I am so not with Killian and we haven't even gotten to the really shitty thing that he does at the end of this episode. Mm. So he gives, uh, so she gives him the shears and she's like, just do with these whatever you want to do all right let's talk about how bad that is she tells him she wants him to get rid of them in a safe manner so that they don't fall into the wrong hands okay number one no no hook is terrible at that number two his plan is to throw them into the water like that's a terrible plan there are lots of things 
under the water. Also, he goes out in a rowboat and then comes back and says they are now thousands of leagues under the sea, which I know is just to introduce us to the concept that we're going to meet Nemo next episode, but... But... Hook, there's no way you went far enough out in a rowboat that you dropped those shears anywhere where they're not just going to wash up on the beach in Storybrooke. Yeah. Also, there's, like, so many mermaids, and Ursula's still out there, so, like... Yeah, but Ursula got a happy ending. She doesn't want the shears. She's just living her best life. And you know what, though? None of this matters because it is revealed that Hook is lying. He didn't throw the shears away at all. They're still in his pocket. So... Also, I'm pissed at Emma for, I'm sorry, the rest of your relationship with Hook, you never have to apologize to him because he tried to send your family to hell. God, so accurate. Don't get to be pouty Mr. Dick Boy, just because, God, I hate him so much. This is where the episode ends, though. This is where the episode ends. On Hook's betrayal. (laughs) So... And next week is a whole hook flashback. But there's some good Henry stuff in it. Yeah. So I feel like I liked this episode a lot more than you did. You know, I liked it more on the second viewing. I think because I really love the Disney Aladdin movie so much. I wanted the Aladdin stuff to be better. But after we talked about it briefly before I watched it the second time, you made me realize how great the evil Queen Zelina stuff is. And I was able to focus on that. Yeah. It's just, the Aladdin stuff should really be the focal point of this season instead of just supporting background elements. Absolutely. And there's room for it to be. They killed off Hyde. And basically, the only reason Aladdin is in this story is to bring the Shears of Destiny, which are not an Aladdin-specific object. It is a very weird structure. It's true. So, you want to talk about fashion? This was a good episode for it. Jasmine looked great. Jasmine looked amazing. Zelina looked great. The Evil Queen looked great, as always. Oh my god, their velvet robes when they were getting their nails done. Amazing. I I mean, they look like... Norma Desmond. Yes, Norma Desmond. From Sunset, Sunset Boulevard. Boulevard. That was exactly what I was going to reference. Yes. And was it just me or did... Jennifer Goodwin look like really genuinely not wearing makeup in this episode. Do you mean Jennifer Goodwin or, or Jennifer Morrison? Because I think Jennifer Morrison is not wearing makeup this whole season. I think it's a character choice. No, I, I meant Jennifer Goodwin. Oh, I she actually actively didn't set off anything. Oh my god, you look terrible for me this episode. For a change. It wasn't that she looked terrible. I was just like, it does not look like she's wearing any makeup. I didn't notice, I didn't think that about her this episode. She wasn't in it very much. She was mostly in it to complain about the plot not being about her, and then she wasn't in it anymore. You're right. Oh, Snow White. Snow Uh, White, Snow White. So that's gonna, so that's gonna do us for this week. This show is partially listener-supported. If you want to become one of those supporters, you can go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to help support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash zines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or 
at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. So save your scissors for someone else's skin. My surface is so tough, I don't think the blade will dig in.